1: Hello, this is Rob Hart, host of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. We wanted to make you aware of a brand new podcast hosted by the show's producer. It's called Gains with Andy Gersher. So if you're a fan of the Noon Business Hour and especially of the experts we talk to every day, we think you'll enjoy this podcast. Give it a listen and be sure to subscribe on the Odyssey app or Apple
0: Podcasts today. Well, the volatility hasn't gone away and either has tensions between Russia and Ukraine. We're going to continue our ongoing discussion, markets, geopolitical risk. We're going to bring on Andy Bush, a political economist, to help uh, delve through all of this. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. So as I mentioned in the lead, we're bringing on Andrew Bush, uh, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Andy, always great to have you on the Gains Podcast. Uh, It's been about maybe six weeks since we last had you on. Wow, how things have changed a lot has happened since then markets have gotten really volatile and uh things in russia and ukraine have heated up in a big way what's your take on the things that have popped up since we last spoke
2: wow i mean it seems like years ago doesn't it i mean there has been so much going on uh let's start with the federal reserve obviously that's one of the biggest things that's been going on uh, because of the cpi and the ppi numbers that we had out recently uh much higher than expected um, the inflation looks to be endemic. It, it, it's not just in automobiles or food or energy. It's spreading out to other parts of the economy. Um, when you think about commodities overall, there's just not enough supply. Uh, there's not enough supply of energy. Um, there's not enough supply of natural gas, of you know, of oil. So we know those prices are going to stay high. Um, And it it generates the uncertainty over the Federal Reserve of what they're going to do, how far they're going to raise interest rates right now. I think the market's pricing at about 150 basis points of rate hikes this year. But the big question is, what do they do with their balance sheet? And just as a reminder to listeners, the last time the Fed uh, engaged in both raising rates and um, quantitative tightening was back in 2018 and created all sorts of volatility in the financial markets The threat of that is occurring right now. And then you can overlay that with uh, what's happening in Russia and things are pretty messy.
0: Yeah, I wonder if the market sell-off has less to do with Russia and Ukraine and more to do with Fed policy and inflation. I I, kind of have a sense that it would be there regardless if this Russia-Ukraine thing was going on in the background.
2: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that, Gersh. Um, it, it, it That is the, the driver, right? So we're creating a volatile interest rate environment um, because of what the Fed's going to do and because they're so far behind the curve. The Fed knew about this problem with inflation last year and chose not to deal with it or at least mistakenly said it was going to be transitory. And now we realize that that obviously was a mistake and now they have to run to catch up, which is the classic Fed mistake uh, that they make. The good news is is that uh, we're going to see them be very thoughtful about this. They're going to telegraph it as best they can, but it's still going through the process. And the real problem is when, when you think about inflation, and I mentioned commodities just a minute ago, there isn't a, the prices have not risen high enough, fast enough yet to really um, uh, destroy demand enough to have prices come down. And there 's not enough supply, so you haven 't destroyed demand. the demand is still there. The supply is not there. Um, oil is in you know uh, in severe what we call backwardation, meaning the spot price is way, way way above where the forward or future price is. And that just tells you everything you need to know, that uh, short term, there's just not enough of these um, basic raw materials out there to meet the demand. So that's going to continue for some time into um, 2022. My guess is we'll get to 105 oil in a heartbeat soon as Russia does invade Ukraine, and it looks like they're they're about to do it.
0: To the oil thing, the supplies are tight, and economies haven't even fully opened yet, which a lot of us anticipate, you know, with us living with COVID and, and, and learning how to deal with it as economies open up and we're already in a tight supply. Just think as the demand increases as well, it begs to make the point, why is the Fed gotten so behind this and I'm surprised they haven't moved on it already. They should hit us right away with a 50 basis points and, and, uh, you know, get aggressive on this now. I mean, anybody who knows anything about fed policy, it's about those initial moves, uh, to, you know, set the trajectory of where things are going. I mean, your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, they're way behind. I mean, they knew they had a problem with this last year, but I I think, you know, if you look back historically, Um, Over two other, like what I would call commodity super cycles, uh, back in 1968, 72, and then in 2002, four, uh, there was a real focus on um, the lower income to middle income uh, people as far as uh, getting money to them, war on poverty. And then, of course, uh, 2004, when China joined the WTO, they they actually joined in 2002, but then about 400 million Chinese became part of Uh, you know, they move from poverty into middle income. And so it's uh, commodities are demand driven. They're not financial flow driven like equities. Right. So there's a level of demand that you get from lower income and middle income workers that um, overwhelms anybody and anything that would happen at the upper income levels. So they're the people who spend the most money on oil and gasoline, food and so on. And so as um, the United States and the rest of the world pumped a lot of money into um, the economy, and it specifically focused on, on getting dollars or money into people's hands, lower income, middle income workers. Um, there was a focus on income inequality to make sure that those people who had not gotten money in the past were, were taken care of. Well, when you do that, you create all sorts of demand for those commodities. And the supplies, like I would say, if we had, um, say, let, let's just throw out a number. If you had five hundred billion dollars worth of capex over the last two years in commodities, basically four hundred ninety-nine billion of that was on, uh, you know, climate change. None of it was on uh, digging stuff up out of the ground, um, you know, drilling wells and so on. So we're way behind the curve as far as uh, producing these commodities, and the Fed just. It really just has buried its head in the sand and really focused on what they call inclusive unemployment, which means they want to broaden their definition out of unemployment to make sure that they're including all the low-income, middle-income workers, especially those of color that have missed out. So they want to make sure those people are taken care of. And when you do that, you keep your foot on the gas for a lot longer And because of that, eventually you end up hurting those people because when you create inflation, they're the ones
0: who are hurt the most. So it's it's it's, a strange world, Andy. It hits them at food and energy. Yeah, and and housing. And housing, housing, yes. You know, just back to the energy aspect of this as well, which is a component to the Russia-Ukraine thing, um, really shot ourselves in the foot on the energy front over the last nine months. Uh, just this this pullback of uh, domestic production. It's hurt us and it's led yeah. to us having to go to other places. The uh, mm-hmm. The moves yeah. that we've made in the energy space has really shot us and the rest of the world in the foot. That's a big problem. Then meanwhile you have the Fed having to deal with inflation and then this all comes with the backdrop backdrop of Ukraine and Russia. It feels like a, a a big mess here. So all that being said, and then we also have Russia's in staging areas. Okay, so they're going to either have to move into Ukraine or back off. They just you can't sit in these staging areas for indefinite amount of time. So it looks like Russia's invasion of Ukraine is is imminent. My sources say that this is going down. What's the play here? How do you deal with this mess to kind of keep your finances safe? Yeah, I mean, the
2: first thing that people do is run for the exits, right? So we saw that exactly today with, uh, you know, the S&P down 2%, um, NASDAQ getting hit, you know, the growth stocks getting hurt the most. Um, Where you can park your money in is the typical safe plays, which is U.S. Treasury. So, we saw those rally. Uh, The two-year was over 203. Now, it's down to 197. So, we saw that on the 10-year. You saw uh, people moving into utility stocks. Uh, So, so we know that's um, another play. Uh, Moving to cash is another way of doing it. And so we're going to have to see how this plays out. I mean, when you have an event like a war, um, you know, it's been a while since, uh, you know, it's been a while since it's been since like World War II, since we've had Russian troops uh, move physically on the ground as opposed to what happened in Crimea. Uh, And so when you start to extrapolate back off of that, why does that matter for people here in the United States? It matters because... It's, it's a small jump from the Ukraine, which had been kind of a buffer to the Baltic states, to Hungary, to Czechoslovakia, and to obviously uh, Europe. So we don't know how far uh, Putin wants to go with this and what the repercussions are going to be. And that's the thing that we don't know. Will there be cyber warfare that could get outside of uh, Russia and the Ukraine like Stutznet did uh, with uh, Israel and Iran? Um, are there going to be uh, sanctions that are going to hurt uh, the flow of technology? Are there going to be uh, sanctions that um, hurt Russia and China at the same time? Um, these these are things we don't know. I mean, the, the Europeans and um, uh, the U.S. have been uh, putting out a lot of rhetoric about what they're going to do. You know, a lot of economic sanctions things. But um, it's rhetoric until they actually have to do something when and if Russia invades. So it just there's a lot of unknowns. Again, just to come back full circle, when there's uncertainty in the markets, typically people pull money off the table when it comes to risky assets.
0: So uh, Mm -hmm. you're a political economist um, right. You know, as I'm, a, a, I'm an economic futurist, Andy. That's what I am, an yeah, there, economic futurist. There <laughs> you go. Even better. But uh, if Russia doesn't move in here, I kind of sense that Putin kind of likes the attention. Nobody's talked about Russia or nobody was talking about Russia six months ago. You have world leader after world leader meeting with Putin. Uh, we've been seeing it all week. And uh, yeah. I, I, I often wonder if... Uh, for him, it's, you know, you're getting a little attention, you know, you're using this as as a negotiating uh, power. Um, what's your take from a, a political aspect here?
2: I I think, um, of course, he would like that. But really, Putin wants to put the, the band back together. He, he's trying to reclaim Mother Russia or Mother Soviet Union, I should say. And 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 that's been his it, it appears to be that's been his game plan all along. I mean, he, he wants the Ukraine um and he I, I don't know there's anything that we could do, uh, meaning all of the nations to stop him if he rolls in there. Uh, it will we can make it extraordinarily expensive. Um and there's even talk of shutting down uh SWIFT payments for the Russian banks. I don't think that's going to happen because that would be an extreme measure for the. It, it would really hurt Russia uh, in a way that they would not likely to recover, and they would probably become more volatile. So what we want to do is we want to have Putin come back to the negotiating table and stop what he's doing, uh, and get him to understand that these type of military actions will be very expensive for him personally. Um, one of the things the United States has is, is they know pretty much where here it, all of his wealth is and where it's all stashed and what parts of the world. So why not you know, personally sanction him, hold on to his assets, and start there? I, I, that would be a fun thing to, to, to see how that plays out. Putin may like um, being uh, held a higher, in higher esteem uh, to the Russian people. Uh, That would be a good thing for him, considering that um, their livelihood, their uh, living standards have been going down. Um, They dealt with COVID very, very poorly. They dealt with HIV even worse. So um, they've got a lot of health issues there. So if this is something that maybe internally there's something that we don't know that's going on that's weakening his position, and this is a move to strengthen himself uh, through the conflict, that would be an interesting uh, theory. I, I think that would be fun to find out.
0: Uh, Do you see him going all the way to Kiev or uh, picking up some maybe Ukrainian regions that are more uh, Russian leaning?
2: It's hard to say at this point Um, to 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 take Kiev. It's it's a mess when you get into a major city to try to take it over uh, militarily. I mean, resistance to that is fierce. So the Russians better think very strongly about what they want to do because they will meet strong resistance um, in major cities. Oh, it's you know it, to door
0: to door yeah, I mean, in cities. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, for for a, a, a military, that's god awful to have to contend with.
2: Yeah, and yeah. it and it really turns the people against you. Which I don't know how they're. I mean, uh, okay, the the far the part of of the Ukraine that's close to the Russian border or the you know closest. Yes, I, 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 there have been Russian speakers there. They have been unhappy. There's rebels there, uh, Russian rebels. Um, so we know that that is part of what's it, it exists out there. You know, the closer you get towards Western Europe, I don't think it's the same case. I'm not an expert in no, that. No, no, not I, at not all. That's like,
0: fine. that's a big point. Like, as soon as you get to Kiev and then towards where well, they've gotten a little more taste of Europe— uh, of Western Europe, it 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 is just the opposite. It leans toward the NATO nations. It's very complicated, and it's it's hard to get a sense on what people are feeling on the ground. But it's a lot easier if Russia moved in and took some areas that are are maybe a, a larger population that's pro-Russian. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be well, I just. I
2: want to circle. I just want to circle this back to the financial markets because. You asked me, like, what does one do? Well, if you're aggressive, um, you know, you can sell and then you can look to buy lower, but you could also buy commodities and you can buy energy um, because that is going to be a problem. Um, And and you're going to see energy prices spike uh, on this or have seen it to some extent in anticipation of it. But that's where you could hurt Russia the most. And I don't know. I, I am very circumspect that, that Germany will stand up to Russia because it's a little bit of mutual assured destruction. If Germany would cut off the flow of natural gas to uh that country, oh, it yeah. would hurt yeah. it would hurt the Russians, but it would really hurt them.
0: Yeah, uh, significantly. I that's, that's why Germany's the X factor in this. Uh, I mean there's a lot a lot to it. I mean including the pipeline and energy and you know part of it's how Germany mismanaged their energy program. And now they're kind of putting a spot. Plus, they've always had a, a history of more apt to work with Russia than some other European nations. So Germany really is the big X factor there. So let's hold the conversation right here for a second. Uh, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And then, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Andy Bush right on the other side of the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
0: All right, we're back with Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at AndrewBush.com. I think, uh, Andy, one of the key points I want to make here is military incidents like this don't have a long-term impact on the U.S. economy or U.S. financial market. So that's an important point to make here We often don't see a real long-term impact to these type of events.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is short-term trading stuff. Like, if you're an investor, which is vastly different from short-term trading, having been a currency trader for a large part of my career, I can tell you those two things are very, very different. Um, I think you have to look at uh, situations like, um, what we have with the instability, with the Fed that the Federal Reserve is creating through monetary policy, and then the instability that's occurring in Russia, um, it, it just—I think what's happening in Russia is emblematic of how an event can have an outsized effect on the financial markets because we're in a situation of which the Fed's already creating the uncertainty and already creating the instability. So anything that comes along exacerbates it. So that's that's the environment we're in right now. What does that mean for investors? Well, it could mean that you want to take some money off the table, for sure. Um, you, you could try to buy some stuff that's a little bit lower. Uh, but I would say this, like, we're going to be volatile. Uh, you know, it's, it's great for trading. It's not great for investing, per se. But it doesn't mean that we can't continue to see stocks appreciate in value going forward, even with higher interest rates in, a, in an unstable world, um, I, I think we're, I don't want to put a date on it, but I'd say we're three to five years uh, from a, a major recession in the United States because there's still so much money flowing from the federal government into the economy. And if you think about it, I mean, overall, Interest rates are still darn low, Andy. I mean, it's not like they're zooming out of control. I mean, yes, they're up a little bit, but compared to where we were in you know, 2015, I mean, really? I mean, this is, this is still a borrower's paradise in the sense of uh, interest rates are relatively low to where we've been historically.
0: All right. So we always talk about, you know, you're a futurist and we talk about the, you know, things down the road long term. So if markets get beat up a little bit, there's going to be a bunch of companies, probably the high flyers that we often talk about, they're going to get roughed up, okay? So there may be an opportunity to get in some really, really, really good companies that I know you believe in and technologies yeah. that I know you believe in long-term. Do you take this these type of events to, you know, bottom fish or get a good deal on some of the companies? And what are those areas that you would be looking at?
2: You can, but I want everybody to be pretty patient when it comes to technology because it's had such a ridiculous run-up, and the PEs are just so out of control. We're, we're now starting to get those to fall back to earth. Um, all one has to do is look at Kathy Wood, who was on CNBC today, you know, kind of pleading her case that her companies that she's invested in are are still great investments and that they're undervalued, which is kind of laughable considering how far they've run up in value. Um, But I still like, as as you know, I I like a lot of different areas on tech. I like uh, anything to do with electric vehicles. I like anything to do with um, autonomous vehicles. I like a lot of stuff in space. Uh, The the space industry is going to uh, soon have a major jolt to it. Um, We had uh, Elon Musk come out with their Starship If you have not seen what this thing is and what it means for um, the uh, space sector, I I beg you to start taking a look at this because it's, you know, I hate to say game changer, but the fact that it's cheap, reusable, and really, really big means you can get a ton more stuff up in space fast. So that is a sector I really like, And, and I've said that before. Um, if we're looking further out, like, why do I think, you know, three to five years down the road, we're going to have a nasty recession? Well, I think some of that has to do with what's going on in the U.S. government. And that has to do with the social services programs that are about to run out of money and go bankrupt. And why is that important? Because that means the U.S. government actually has to borrow more money and issue more debt to pay for Social Security or pay for it, name your um, you know, disability benefits, social, social security disability. I mean, Medicare, um, those are the things that are running out of money, these trust funds, and, and that will change the dynamic of issuance out of the treasury, which means more supply, means lower price, higher yields. That's where I think the US can really get tripped up in about three to four years
0: time. To pick up though the point that you made earlier, which is is really important, I think. Yes, a, a lot of these high flyers have come off a lot. I mean, we saw Meta, aka Facebook. Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of people who, when they had that initial decline, you know, they got hit like twenty percent plus. Um, sure. Gets even down from, from there. You know, you're looking yeah. at Meta at two hundred. So that kind of speaks where you see these these drops. That doesn't mean that there isn't more to go. Uh, Another one that kind of caught my eye that was just recently was Roblox, which was down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like 20 uh, percent in a very short amount of time after earnings. You know, there's people fishing around there. And I mean, that's very that's barely popped up at all. So yeah, just it, I mean, just because tech is selling off and it, it looks cheaper compared to what it was even a couple of days ago, there may be more room to go as well. And you kind of spoke to that
2: as an investor myself. Like what I try to do is come up with an overall game plan of what I want exposure to. And then I try to say myself, OK, like how much money do I have dedicated to that particular sector? And then how do I break it down for the companies within that sector? And so what I try to do is not get, you know, too freaked out by, you know, after I bought some and then it drops a lot. It makes me a little hesitant. But what I try to do is go, okay, um, it's this date per month or this time in the quarter where I have a little flexibility of when I want to buy. But I got it. I got to put some money to work. This is when I'm going to do it. So I try to be consistent and not miss out. Um, I, I've made mistakes as an investor, there's times where I've held off buying something in a quarter, and of course, that was the worst thing to do because it turned around and went up. Um, I will tell you one of the hardest things I've ever had to do recently was I had a block of money, a block of cash that I, I know I wanted to put to work, and one of the hardest things you do is when the world is selling off, to buy, step in and buy. And I'm talking about March of 2020 and April of 2020. That was, I I mean, I've traded a long time, and it's stepping in by when the world was falling apart. That was pretty tough to do, I got to say.
0: One of the smartest things you could have done as well uh, throughout
2: probably your entire career. But I got to tell you, when you're buying and it's down 15% and it goes down 20%, you don't feel too smart. And then you buy more and it goes down 25%, you feel really stupid. But... You have to stick to the game plan, um, and that's what I implore people to do. Uh, when I was a currency trader, that's what I excelled at. I, when I got into positions, you know, when I bought millions of dollars worth of currencies, I was like, okay, I'm buying at 20. If this thing goes to 90 on the downside, I'm out. If it goes to 50 on the upside, I'll cut out half and then ride it, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, that's what you have to have. You have to have that discipline To be able to do those things, whether you're a day trader, a a longer term trader, or whether you're an investor, uh, investors have longer time horizons. So um, that's what I would say. If if you want exposure to these companies and you believe in them long term, don't be dissuaded by the certain you know the recent drops in these uh, prices. But just realize, is that is buying now part of your game plan? Because if it wasn't. Then you really have to be careful about stepping in at this point because you gotta model, you gotta go, okay, I'm buying when it's dropping down twenty percent. If it goes down forty percent, I'm gonna buy another, you know, chunk there. If it goes down sixty percent, then I'm out. You know, I mean you gotta have those kind of parameters in there.
0: Well, and and that speaks to one other thing I wanted to bring up real quick. A lot of I think the gains listeners are probably rather new to the market. You and I have been in this for a very, very long time you know looking back at uh you know 2008 ish <laughs> um yeah the there is a time I, city really comes to mind city group was oh, like yeah. 50 and when it dropped to 25 i'm like wow city that's going to be yeah. around forever i'm going to load up and then when it dropped to like 10 i'm like oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> i mean <laughs> yep. I, I you know and and up until that years and years and years, that always works, especially with pretty decent companies. I mean, City's still around. Um it yeah. went down to five. And I'm like, oh. And 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 the thing is, since then, they even had a reverse split. Years and years later, I mean, I got crushed, and it's never come mm-hmm. close to coming back. And, you know, city still exists. So there are times when You know, you can just keep going and going and going. And even as it drops, explain that real quick. I mean, you've talked about being a currency trader and, you know, using that discipline on a day to day basis or our minute to minute basis, you know, as a day trader. But when as an investor, you're still using the same concept. But explain how uh, you handle that and you minimize getting clobbered when things really, really turn that, you know, once or twice in every 20 years event.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's super hard to time the markets. I, I mean, if you're a day trader, great. Keep doing that, do whatever. Um, if you're trading a little bit longer term than that, you know, it, it becomes challenging to time markets. If Let's just pick an individual stock. Like in an individual stock, you can, you know, do your homework on it. You look at their re- revenues. You look at what the company's business plan is. You read the annual report and the quarterlies. Um, and you feel really good about it. Okay, great. And you go in and buy it. And then all of a sudden, there is a big shift in what the company is doing. Um, I'm going to use Facebook as an example. So they had reached you know, a, a pretty significant peak point um, with the number of users that were on Facebook. And they were market dominant for a number of years, just crushed it. All of a sudden, they changed their name to Meta. And they go, you know, supposedly all in on the metaverse. Well, that's really interesting. But is that why you bought the stock, you know, five years ago? I'm pretty sure not. Um, and it's pretty rare that you can get a leader that you believe in. Uh, let's put Elon Musk in his special little place uh, because there's so few people like him that decides to change the entire direction of the company per se uh, into a new area that's completely untested. Well, that's when you have to say, okay, look, when the stock dropped 20% and it missed on its earnings, you know, there's, a, there's something going on here that either I don't understand or they've really changed their business model that is not why I bought the company in the first place. i got to get out of this. Um, the, those, are good, those are good things to do as far as an investor goes. You can change your mind on these things. It's important to, to really take a look at what's going on. Now, there's other times where, and I'll use Volkswagen as an example, Um, where they had the whole CO2 scandal, right? And Volkswagen is a massive company. It's it's a really big auto manufacturer out of Germany. Now, when they had their scandal um, of the CO2 coming out of the tailpipes, the stock got hit down pretty hard. But, you know, when you see something like that, you go, okay, yes, management's a problem. They're going to get fined. But really, Is this going to change their business model? Are are they all of a sudden going to be a pariah and no one's going to buy the car? I don't think so. And I think they'll come back, and I think they'll do quite well. I mean, that's how you kind of have to walk yourself through it. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was thinking when I was looking at Volkswagen uh, going through this. They had an event. um, It hammered the stock, but then you have to think, okay, after the stock goes down, what's really changed here? And the fact was, was that nothing had really changed. They they had some bad actors. Um, Those people eventually got arrested. They paid a hefty fine, but the business stayed viable. And those are just two examples of where you could own a company, you could get smoked on it, like when it drops, um, but there are two very, very different reasons for why that company uh, stock price went down, and you just have to understand that they those are different situations and be prepared to take advantage of one that makes sense. it's an ongoing concern they're going to continue to do you know build cars versus meta, which is still going to make a lot of money, but they're changing their business model to a very untested model. You really have to believe in Mark Zuckerberg to buy the, the whole metaverse right now. I mean, there's reasons for it, I get it, but how many years away are this from you from where Meta can actually generate the profits it did as Facebook? I would say a long time. So, you know, that's what you're dealing with on a short-term basis when you're looking at uh, a stock that had fallen significantly. It could fall additional to it because it's changed its business model.
0: Well, and they got caught up in, uh, you know, right when they announced the Meta thing, that was almost peak cryptocurrency. That was right around uh, the time when crypto yeah. was at all-time like, highs. Like
2: 64000
0: yeah. yeah, and NFTs are running hot, and everybody's announcing how they're, you know, R- 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 Ralph Lauren's got NFTs, and they're entering, and, and it just yeah. it just seemed like there was so much hype just built into that move. Um, as we wrap up the Gains podcast today, and I, I know there's just a lot going on, and it's hard to really get clarity until we see a couple things happen here as far as, you know, your next move. And I mean, there really is a lot of uncertainty. So what's your parting shots for today's gains podcast? Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, stay the course that I know that's corny. I know every investment manager says that to you, but they're, what they're trying to get you to do is not, you know, sell the lows and buy the highs to get back in. That That's what they, nobody wants you to do that. So, try to be anticipatory in in what you're doing. If you think the Russian situation is going to cause a lot more problems and and is not going away anytime soon when it comes to energy, well, you should be buying energy. That's where the play is. And you should be buying energy companies because of that. Um, A lot of these stocks were beaten down anyway um, because of this whole shift towards renewables. but. Um, you know, and probably selling Germany. I, you know, that would probably be an interesting play too. Uh, so, but, but that's the parting shot. It's like, you know, when you see things start to develop, make a game plan before the event occurs so that when the event does occur, you're, you're either positioned for it or you're waiting for something to happen where you're going like, I want exposure as this market sells off. I'm going to buy more when it goes down. So just have a game plan. Just don't be reacting to the headlines. That's my parting shot.
0: Do you ever trade the uh, headlines? I, I, I Did not you write a book almost? Had something to do, <laughs> like trading the headlines or something, I maybe a, a million years ago?
2: I did, yes. you did. Back in 2007, I wrote a book. It's not great prose, ladies and gentlemen, but the concepts are pretty good. Um, it was called World Event
0: Trading. Yes, and yes. It, it, I, I did read that by the way. gives you a playbook. <laughs> yeah, it gives you
2: a playbook for how events in the past and how they played out in the financial markets, which sectors got hit like during a political scandal or war as an example, or believe it or not, andy, I, the first five chapters of the book are on infectious disease outbreak and their impact on the economy and markets. so um I, that book came out in two thousand and seven. Nobody read it because that was the global financial crisis, right? But totally. the ideas were pretty sound. Well, hey, I read
0: that... it. I read it, though. World event trading: how to analyze and profit from today's headlines. I have a copy. Right. On, I'm a, I'm a oh, b- I have a yeah, huge yeah. book collection. And you and my mom are probably the only people that right. bought it. In fact, I should have you. Uh, you know, next time we get together, maybe I'll have you sign it for me. <laughs> it, there you go. <laughs> It'll be worth even less then. Uh, anyway. Or I'm the only one with the signed copy or actually there a copy. Go. No, I'm just giving you a hard there time. That go. was. A, I remember thinking that was a pretty good um, read, by the way. Well, so, thank you. So anyway, so, well, it's so good to have you on. I really appreciate you joining us today. And, yeah. um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again uh, soon. And again, I I, I just think that uh, once we get a little bit of clarity um You know, I I think it'll be easier for people to plan. But usually when there's not clarity, that's where you make the hay. Right, Andy? Exactly. Those are the opportunities. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, great to have you on and we'll uh, chat again soon. All right, my friend. Take care. All right. Big thanks to Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. And check out his website. He's an economist at andrewbush.com. And again, that's andrewbush.com. B-U-S-C-H dot com, andrewbush.com. Check out his website. And as always, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We are back on Tuesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey.